Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. This uh, week we, we bring to a close uh, the sermon series called The Highest. Uh, we have been working through the book of Colossians and, and dealing with what Paul was writing to the, the church in Colossae. And, and so t- today uh, is the last sermon in this sermon series. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed uh, spending some time in just one book uh, over the uh, past seven, eight weeks. Um, and I believe that God has really used this word uh, that was written uh, for a people in Colossae, but we have been able to apply it to our lives because this is a living word, and we can read it and get revelation from from God, and and so it's just beautiful to to be able to to use um, and and spe- you know, allow the Holy Spirit to speak through His Word, and so I uh, just want to give a little bit of recap of kind of what we've kind of covered with the highest, which is Christ above all, focusing in on how Jesus is above all. He was created, uh, you know, we were created for him and through him, actually. And he holds everything together, you know, the, the way this earth orbits to even the way that our bodies function. Everything was created for him and by him, and he holds it all together. And I hope that over the course of this series, you've understood that, hey, Jesus is above all. That he is, is huge. He is, he is not just some man that just walked this earth and has some really great teachings and, and that's it. No, he was a man who, who died for us, who conquered the grave, who changed the course of history, who made a way for each one of us. And he is exalted above everyone else everything else there is nothing that is above him actually everything is below him see we've been talking about over the you know this series is that there was a teaching that was in this church this new church this this gentile community that uh, was getting all different kinds of teaching one of those teachings was that the angels were above jesus christ but jesus christ is above all things And he lives in each one of us who follow him, who have made a profession of faith. He lives in you. And he's telling, through Paul, he told this Gentile church that Jesus Christ in you is the hope of glory. We talked about that a few weeks ago, how that revelation transformed the world we are here today because jesus christ dwells in all kinds of people it doesn't matter if you're a jew or if you're a gentile or if you're a slave or you're free if you're a male or you're female it does not matter that jesus christ living in you is the hope of glory and we talked about how he transforms us from the darkness into the kingdom of the sun, which is the kingdom of light. And so Paul has covered a whole lot of things and talking and highlighting the supremacy of God and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And here he is, and uh, you read this, and a lot of times we read over this, right? Kind of like, okay, you read you know, the, the intro of some of the Gospels, and it has the genealogy of Jesus, Some of us probably skip over that, right? 
because of all the names and you don't fully know the connections there. And, and I get it, it's okay, but there's revelation in that even. I mean, I had a friend who was in college that he read the genealogy of Jesus and it was in that revelation that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and says, hey, you're, you're, you, the matriarch of your family has passed away. Who is going to carry on that legacy? And at that moment, he found Jesus Christ in the genealogy of Jesus. And so God can use his word because, like I said, it is alive and active and it speaks to us. And so here, these are further instructions to this, this young church. Uh, and then Paul is saying final greetings. And, and many times it's easy for us to just skip right over it because, let's be honest, there's some names in there that's sometimes hard to pronounce. And, and you're like, okay, well, he's kind of wrapped up his letter. Okay, let's move on to uh, you know, Thessalonians. Okay, that's great. You know. But God has a word for us this morning, I believe. Paul starts off his further instructions to continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful, and being thankful. He is encouraging them them to seek the Lord. But what I love about what Paul says, you know, Paul could have asked for all kinds of things. He could have said, uh, yeah, like, please just pray that the Holy Spirit would would break the chains, you know, let us walk out of that, you know, the, the jail, you know, all those things. He could have said all kinds of things that he could have been free. But no, he didn't. He asked for the church to pray for faithful witness, for him to be a faithful witness. I don't know about you, but many times we pray our way out of trials. When a lot of times maybe we should pray that we should persevere, that we should be able to be faithful to the call, be faithful to the gospel. Paul got that. He understood that. He was willing to give his life for the gospel. Whether he was free or if he was shackled. Whether he was where he would call home or whether he was on a missionary journey. Doesn't matter. He wanted to be faithful. And we are to be faithful. No matter what you're going through in life. Whether it's tragedy that you're going through. God can see you through it. And he wants to walk, you, walk with you through it. May we all be faithful to the gospel. There's a story, um, I was a youth pastor in South Carolina many, many moons ago. Um, but while at, at South Carolina, there's a camp much like Victory Mountain Camp, um, South Carolina camp, we took our teens there. This was my first year as a youth pastor, first year at this camp. Um, but God just showed up in a mighty way at Table Rock Westland Camp down there in South Carolina. And I remember this particular night because I could tell that the Spirit was moving. I was, uh, you know, friends with the director, and he uh, shared with me what, what he felt God was doing. This one student in his youth group came up to him and says, I feel like we are to pray for the healing of Nathaniel. And this is a young teenager looking at another teenager and saying, I feel like God wants us to pray for the healing of Nathaniel. See, Nathaniel was handicapped to a wheelchair. He had never been able to walk a day in his life. And Heath got that overwhelming sense as well. Like he believed that the prayer of faith would have healed Nathaniel that night. 
And so they brought Nathaniel up and um, actually talked to him beforehand and said, listen, we, this is what's going on. We feel like we should be praying for your healing. And we believe that God will heal you. And they asked him, Nathaniel, do you believe that God can heal you tonight? Nathaniel was like, absolutely. I believe that he can. But then something changed. And so in that changing of the story, Heath called him up on stage later on. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to pray for this young man and he is going to walk for the first time ever. He shared the story just like I shared with you. But then he gave the mic over to Nathaniel. Nathaniel in his wheelchair, he says, I believe that God can heal me tonight, but I don't want him to. Because I believe that I am in this to be a faithful witness to people that look like me, that have the same situation as me. And I believe that God wants me to be a faithful witness in the midst of this. And I remember thinking, if I was in that situation, would I be like that? But I know Nathaniel because he's went on and he's become a pastor and and an evangelist and he shares his story with people quite often. And he has been faithful in the midst of pain. Now, do I believe that God could have healed him that night? Yeah. Do I believe that he probably would have? Yeah. Like, the faith was thick that night. But see, what I learned that night as a young youth pastor is that it was less about the healing and more about the healer. It was more about Jesus Christ. And Nathan got that. Nathaniel got that. He understood that it was about Jesus Christ more than it was his condition or more than it was his trial that he was going through or his hard and difficult life being handicapped. Paul understood that. He could have easily prayed for escape, but he prayed for him to be faithful. Do we often pray those same prayers? Then he goes on, he says, walk in wisdom towards others. Before he said this, he was already talking about the mystery, the mystery that uh, is, is of those all throughout the word where, where God had hidden things intentionally throughout the generations so that the rulers, the powers, and the authorities wouldn't understand what he was about to do through Jesus Christ. And the mystery is that Jesus lives inside of each and every one of us, and He is the hope of glory. The mystery is that now the Gentiles are brought and made right. The nations are brought and made right with God through Jesus Christ. See, the mystery, the the profound thing is that now the outsiders, and you can read throughout the Holy Scriptures, is that there was outsiders and, and there was the nations, and they were doing all kinds of things, but now the outsiders are brought into the story. Now the outsiders are now the first thought, and God has completely changed the script. And the thing is, is He wants to change the script in your life. He wants to flip it over where you think, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I've done this or that. 
The list can go on. But God is saying, hey, you are a part or you can be a part of the family of God. And he encourages those in the the church here to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. He is talking to Gentiles who are not going to be received well from from all the Jewish community because they had been raised up in a way that, hey, they're the outsiders. We don't associate with them. Actually, we walk all the way around certain cities because we don't even want to be going through that area because that ground isn't holy. I mean, it was so extreme. But God is saying through Paul, hey, use wisdom in dealing with outsiders. But he says that, hey, this mystery is found complete in each and every one of you. And he orders them to be faithful, to, to go forward with the mission of Jesus Christ. And what I love about this is that, like I said, many times we can uh, skip over Paul's final greeting. He lists several different names that maybe many of you can't say, and so I'll, I'll just abbreviate the one I'm talking about, Ty. So Ty is here, and he's mentioned here, and many of you are like, I've never heard of him. He's only mentioned a few times in the Bible. There's not much detail with him. How in the world can he be in the word i love isaiah 40 verse 8 it says the grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of god endures forever this word that we hold in our hands that we read on you know in this this sanctuary in our homes will not wither it will not fade away but it will endure forever and the reality is is that ty's name is in here his name is mentioned but see, he was just an ordinary person. He was a mail carrier. Like, do you even know your mail carrier's name? I'm going to be honest. I've been here for a year now, and I haven't learned my mail carrier's name. But he's mentioned here. He was the one who would go and take the word, take the letter to the people, to the church of Colossians. And he also did it in Ephesians as well. See, he was just an average Joe. An average Joe. An ordinary person. But what I love about this is that you see this list of, of certain names and there's certain connection points within this. But they're just ordinary people. It wasn't just an apostle that was sent by another apostle to go and, and contact the bishop that then delivered the message down to the other apostle that would reach the pastor who would then go and share the, the message to the church, right? That's probably what we would do here in, in our day and age, sadly. But no, God chose to use ordinary people much like us in this room. You see, because... He wanted to take and transform the world. And he chose ordinary people like you and me. See, God has a plan A. And there is no plan B. Ordinary people. Imperfect people. People who don't fully have it all together. Are the key part of his plan. If you look and you study Paul and his life, even Paul himself did not have it all together. 
Before his conversion, he was overseeing the killing of Christians. He was a murderer. But yet, he is here an apostle, and he wrote most of the New Testament. He planted churches. He took the word of God, the gospel, to the Gentiles. God has used him, and God can use you. You might be thinking, oh, well, I don't have it all together. Paul didn't either. Going on, you see Mark, the cousin, of, um, the cousin here of um, Barnabas. It says this, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. See, many of you might just skip over that and think, oh, that's no big deal. Well, let me tell you about Paul and Barnabas. They went on missionary journeys together. In the book of Acts, if you track Paul's uh, missionary journeys and you go and he goes all over and Barnabas goes with him. But Barnabas brings Mark along. And Mark is there with Paul and Barnabas and, and Mark basically says, I'm out. I'm done. I don't want to do any of this anymore. I'm out. And then it's said in the, in the Acts story, Acts 15, that Paul and Barnabas go separate ways. And they both go and have very effective ministries, but they separate because of Mark. Because of Mark. But later on in life, it's said to be like 12 years later, <laughs> Mark has a change of heart. He wants to be back a part of the journey. Paul initially doesn't want him to be a part of it. He's like, I don't want you know, quitters a part of my journey. I don't want uh, someone that's going to, to give up and walk away. I don't want to give him a second chance. But yet, later, Mark changes his heart. He comes back into relationship with Paul. And Paul recognizes him as a brother in Christ. Paul in this letter basically is saying, I vouch for this quitter. His name is Mark. Treat him as you would me. Welcome him. See, God gives people grace. Grace that sometimes is hard for us to give to other people. But grace is perfect. It's perfect love. It's, it's grace that's hard to even describe. It's grace that we're not deserving of, but yet God gives it anyway. It's grace in the midst of a second chance. Are we worthy of a second chance? Absolutely not. We're not worthy of a first chance, a second chance, or a third chance. We're not worthy of it, but yet Jesus gives us grace because he gives us a second chance. He gives us hope. Many of you are thinking, well, I, I've done all this in my life. I'm a failure. Society looks down on me. I'm an outsider. I could never be used. Well, let me tell you about my friend Travis, really close friend of mine who uh, many years ago he got into a fight. It wasn't, always, it wasn't really his fault, but he got into a fight. And he had to protect himself, and the fight got out of hand, and he ended up killing the man. To society, he was a murderer. He was tried. He was convicted. He spent time in prison, serving 
all different places in Salisbury. But see, while in prison, God got a hold of this young man's life. And he gave him a second chance. And because he was, did good, did well, he, uh, hang on, I'm, I'm not done yet. Um, because he gave him a second chance, sorry, <laughs> they heard my cue, but I'm not done. Um, he gave him a second chance. And see, he got out of prison and started serving the Lord. He got out of prison and he started to get involved in church. And he married one of my close friends. And they are serving faithfully in ministry together. You see, your imperfection in no way diminishes his desire to use you. See, many in society would say, hey, Travis can't be used anymore. Actually, Travis has a very hard time to get a job. But God has used Travis to connect with people, to reach people that I couldn't ever reach, that many of you could never reach. God has used him. You see, God has only one perfect person that he's ever used. That perfect person was Jesus, and he gave his life for you. And because he was perfect, he can now use imperfect people that are brought into right relationship with his Father, and they can go and carry on the message of the hope and share it with the whole world. And that's you and me. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. He's using you, ordinary, imperfect people. But because of Jesus, we are the church Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, the Bible clearly tells us that we, um, we mean the world to Him. We can turn to John three sixteen, and many of you know this, for God so loved the world that He gave Jesus to save us, to save the world. He gave Jesus. In fact, our worth hasn't changed since the very day that you were born. You might think that you are not worthy, but you are worthy. You've been worthy. He created you in your mother's womb. He values you. And he still holds great value. You are valuable to God. And he wants to use each and every one of you. See, I went to the bank this morning. And they were closed, so they didn't give me a fresh $20 bill. But it's as fresh as it can be. Who wants it? I, I get it, right? You're honest, right? You want this $20 bill, right? Many of us would want this $20 bill. Seriously, like it's okay, church people. You can want $20 bills from your pastor, okay? So who really wants this $20 bill? Okay, thank you for being honest. You are in God's house. It's okay to be honest. All right, so what about this? not fresh not crisp anymore who wants this you still want it wait a minute like look at it it's nasty like it's it's yeah like it's a wad like it's a ball like you can't even see it like hardly from way back there you still want it what about now what about this 
What if I scream at it? You're not valuable. Like, you're good for nothing, right? Do you still want it? Why? It still spins. It's still valuable. Is it perfect? No. Is it crisp? No. Is it dirty? Yeah, because you don't know where these shoes have been. Right? (laughs) See, the reality is, is that is you. That is you. God still sees value in you. You can go through the muck, the mire. You can go through all different kinds of things in life, but God still sees value in you. You are valuable to God, and God gives everyone second chances. There's nothing that you can do to escape His love. Um, you might think that you are, you know, you can run from Him, but you can't escape it. You might think that, oh, I've done this and I've done that, but God still loves you. He still wants to use you. God is saying to someone right now that I know what you did. And the reality is, is that God does know what you did. He knows that you left Him. He knows that you turned your way, your your back on Him. He knows all that, that you did with your life. But yet He responds. He says this, I never gave up on you. In fact, I came for you. I lifted you up out of that miry clay. I love you. I'm willing to send my son to die for you. I want a relationship for you. There is nothing that you can do to escape my love. That's what God says to you. You might think that society is saying all different kinds of things about you, and they might be, but guess what? It doesn't matter because it's what God says to you, and he loves you. Your past doesn't disqualify you. You are in Christ. You are in His story. You can be a new creation. God might be looking at you and be like this. Yeah, Mickey. Yeah, Mickey, you're in me. Matt, you're in me. Betty, you're in me. God sees you and He calls you by name. He knows you. He knows what you've done in life. There's no escaping that. He's all-knowing. But He also is all-loving. And He's calling you to experience His grace. And this morning, maybe you're thinking, well, I've done all this stuff. There is no way that God loves me still. He does. And He's giving you a second chance. Maybe it's a third chance. Maybe it's a fourth chance. We've all went and fallen short of the glory of God. But God loves you. And He died for you. So we're going to end with this song. And may you look at the lyrics of this song and think about who you are. Who you are in, in the world. But really doesn't matter. It doesn't give you hope. doesn't give you glory. doesn't give you any internal value then who you are in Christ you are a child you are a son and daughter of the king you are valuable you might be bruised you might be 
know, went and done foolish things, but much like this $20 bill, you're still valuable because you're valuable to God. So we're opening up this altar this morning. If, if God's calling you, come.